This reading is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. The shepherds and the angels. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. Friends, how often have you purchased a product that promised to revolutionize your life? You got that product, you know, it promised and it's going to change everything. And then you get it home and it really, it over-promised and under-delivered. The only thing that was really revolutionized was your level of irritation with the product. And the promises that it made and how it just failed to live up to those promises. You know, there are many who might be tempted today to believe that the angels over-promised about this baby because he under-delivered. The angels promised that the baby born in Bethlehem was going to bring peace. And it's been 2,000 years. And does our world have peace? There's still wars. There's racism, riots, people driving cars into parades or flying planes into buildings. There's school shootings, sex trafficking, cover-ups, slavery, oppression, depression, anxiety, suicide. Our civil discussions are anything but civil. We cancel, we call out, we castigate, we conflagrate, we retaliate, eye for an eye, reparations, accusations, infuriation. Where's the peace? Where's the peace? Did the angels overpromise and this baby underdeliver? I, I mean, never mind our world, do you have peace? Fear of poverty, insecurity, infection, accident, or government overreach haunting many daily? Cancer, COVID, the common cold threatened to sicken and sometimes even kill us, even as we just heard about. Children are born unhealthy. Accidents unsettle us. Relationships go unreconciled. Addiction chains, dishonesty stains, abuse pain. Marriages dissolve. We lack resolve. We face problems we're powerless to solve. Where's our peace? Where's our peace? Right before the sermon this morning, we sang, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. These words were penned by American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He wrote these words the Christmas of either 1863 or 1864, and he wrote it in the middle of the bloodiest, War in American history. The Civil War. In 1861, Longfellow had tragically lost his wife when her dress caught fire in their home. And Longfellow burned himself so severely trying to save her that he was unable eventually to go to her funeral. 
1863, although he had forbidden him, his son Charles ran away to join the Union Army, only to be severely wounded in battle and returned home injured. So into the midst of, of the global and the personal suffering and strife, Longfellow wrote a poem, Christmas Bells, which became the carol that we sang today. Longfellow's poem opens with the ringing of the bells on Christmas Day, and they're a merry reminder of the promise, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But we hear Longfellow wonder in the carol what many people wonder today. Do the bells and the angels overpromise and the baby underdeliver? Because the bells ring, the angels announce peace, but where is the peace? And we reach the, the, the depth of the lament in verse 3. There is no peace on earth, I said. There is no peace on earth. And that's why I, I named, gave the sermon the same title, There is no peace on earth. In fact, I was kind of thrilled yesterday when Alexander McCafferty said to me, he goes, wow, I saw your sermon title. That's kind of edgy. <laughs> you know, edgy actually means tense, nervous, or irritable. And that's how many people feel. Because they feel like there is no peace on earth. And while we know from the rest of the poem that Longfellow eventually came to celebrate the peace announced by the ringing bells and the singing angels, there are many, and maybe even some here right now, and some who are watching online, who their heads are still bowed. And their heart is still filled with the sounds of the mocking song, There is no peace. Peace on earth. Friends, how can the Christmas bells and the angels from heaven be correct? Because they claim this child has come to bring us peace. And where is our peace? Well, to begin, to understand it, we need to understand the mathematics of peace. We need to understand the mathematics of peace. Now, for those of you that don't like math, don't worry. The mathematics of peace are not complicated. You see, this world tries to teach us the mathematics of peace, and they say that peace is found by a simple equation of subtraction. Subtract the conflict, subtract the suffering, subtract the hardship, subtract the sickness, subtract the sadness, and that will equal peace. So the world teaches us that peace comes by subtraction. So to say that the baby who was born that first Christmas came to give us peace, well, that means he should subtract all of our conflict, all of our suffering, all of our hardship, all of our sickness, all of our sadness, and clearly he has not. Therefore, this is a case of over-promising and under-delivering because there is no peace, at least as described that way, on earth. However, friends, on this, the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of peace, as we heard the Watkinson family reading for us as they lit the candle of peace, we need to reconsider the mathematics of peace. You see, first we find that we need to consider, can subtraction alone really bring us peace? Can subtraction alone really bring us peace? Now, it might bring us quiet. You know, when the conflict's gone, when the storm is gone, when the suffering's gone, it might bring us quiet, but friends, does that mean peace? Does quiet necessarily mean peace? I mean, we, we know it doesn't, especially those of us that are married. Because have you ever had a conflict with your spouse? 
And eventually that conflict passes and there's quiet, but there's still no peace as you sit in separate rooms and stew. The passing of the conflict and the quiet that comes after it doesn't necessarily mean peace. Or the couple that longs for a baby and has suffered infertility and miscarriage, they don't need subtraction. They long for addition to find peace. There's quiet in their home, but there's sure no peace. Or the wife whose husband has died. Or the husband whose wife walked out on him. Or the parents whose prodigal child left and they're not sure when or if she's going to return. Or the teenager who sits alone at the lunch table. There's been painful subtraction. And now there is quiet. But is there peace there? Can subtraction always bring us peace? Friends, subtraction might mean quiet. But the quiet alone doesn't mean that there's peace. And more than that, we know that quiet itself doesn't have power to bring us peace. We know that. I mean, we've seen people who are there, maybe in the midst of nature, surrounded by tranquility and quietness, but yet we watch them restless and, and irritable and agitated. There's peace all around them, but there's no peace within them. And in the same way, haven't you seen people in the midst of chaos? In the midst of the hustle and the bustle and the craziness of life. And yet, it seems that it doesn't touch them. There's a tranquility that's, that's within them. So, so friends, the quiet outside and, and the passing of the storm, the subtraction of all that's going wrong, doesn't necessarily mean peace within. Just as you can have chaos around and still find peace. And, and even further, even if we get the hope for subtraction, even after the storm has passed, even after the conflict subsided, even after uh, having experienced healing or reconciliation, does that guarantee that we're going to then have peace? I mean, we know that even beyond the storm or the conflict or the sickness or the hardship, peace might still remain elusive. I, the storm might pass, but that doesn't mean your heart has quieted, does it? You, you might have received that healing. But does that mean that your heart is healed? Does that mean that there's peace? Even if you get the desired subtraction that you've been praying for, it doesn't guarantee peace. So the world insists that subtraction equals quiet and peace. That quiet doesn't always indicate you have peace. Nor does subtraction and quiet guarantee peace. Nor can subtraction and quiet, are they even really necessary for peace we find? And even more than that, what if the storm passes? What if the healing comes? Does that guarantee that you're going to have a lasting peace? Well, no, because that kind of peace is only temporary, isn't it? You know, peace is usually just, at least as the world defines it, is usually just a momentary ceasefire. It's a a temporary reprieve from our pain. It's a momentary quieting of the chaos. Because for every war that ends, eventually another begins. For every dispute that's quieted, eventually another one rises. For every disease that's healed, eventually another one becomes sick. For every victory, another defeat might be right over the horizon. For every hunger satisfied, another hunger rises. Quiet, subtraction, the peace that this world seeks is only temporary. And it's fragile. And eventually, it is soon broken. So friends, we are too often fooled into seeking And settling for peace as subtraction. When Jesus has come to give us something more. 
and He's come to give us something better. In fact, the baby that was born and announced by the angels that first Christmas, He grew, He lived amongst us, He healed our diseases, and He taught us many things. And one of the things He taught us, recorded in John 16.33, He said, I've said these things to you, that in Me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So, the baby that was promised to give us peace also promised us tribulation. He said, you will have tribulation. There will be persecution. There will be trouble, suffering, hardship. There's going to be sickness, deformity, cancer, COVID. There's going to be sadness, mourning, and lament. Friends, Jesus never promised to subtract all of those things from our lives and our world. Jesus never promised us peace by subtraction. Now understand, because of His goodness, sometimes He does intervene that way. In fact, that's what we were praying for, wasn't it? We are praying, God, take away the sicknesses that we mentioned. God, take away the suffering. God, subtract these things. And sometimes He does. In fact, in His ministry, when you watch Jesus, often intervened by subtraction. However, he didn't heal every single illness, did he? He he didn't stop all suffering and raise every dead person. He didn't solve all and every problem. He didn't subtract all injustice from the world and unbind all of the oppressed. Because of his goodness, sometimes he did, and sometimes he still does today, and so it is that we pray and ask him to. However, he's never promised that sort of peace by subtraction. So if He does do it, that is pure grace. It's unmerited, it's undeserved, it's unpromised gift of mercy. Jesus never promised us peace by subtraction in this life. Now saying that, rest assured, one day there will be that type of peace. Because one day Jesus is going to return. He's going to make all things new. And by the power of the resurrection, He's going to subtract from this world all of the sin and the sickness and the suffering and death itself. And then we're going to have a perfect and eternal peace. And then and only then will it be a perfect peace by subtraction. But He never promised in this world, in this life, that we would have that type of peace. So what is the peace that He offered us? What is the peace that the angels announced? What is the peace that the ringing Christmas bells declare to us? Friends, according to God, the mathematics of peace operates differently than the world teaches us it does. According to God, there's a new math. And Jesus has come to teach us the new math. Jesus never promised us peace by subtraction. He's promised us peace by addition. Peace by addition. As we heard in John 16.33, you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Jesus never promised to subtract all sickness, pain, suffering, and death from us in this world, in this life. But He has promised the addition of His presence with us, no matter what we face in this life. So it is as we sang this morning, it is well, it is well, Through the storm I am held. It is well with my soul. Through the storm I'm held. He may not subtract the storm. By His grace, He might choose to subtract that storm. But even if He doesn't, His addition, the addition of His presence with us, 
holding us through the storm is a guarantee. It is a promise that allows us to have peace and say, it is well with my soul. Jesus came to add himself into the uncertainty, the chaos, the pain of our lives. It's not peace by subtraction. It's peace by addition. Jesus adds himself and he holds us fast. He is our peace. And friends, do you see why this is so much better? Do you see why this is so much better than peace by subtraction? Because if our hope is peace by subtraction, if our hope is ultimately that the circumstances change, then that means that as soon as the circumstances change back, we lose our peace. If our, peace, if our hope is peace through subtraction, then as soon as things don't work out the way we hope, then as soon as the circumstance changes the other direction or another trial comes, our peace collapses. Friends, that type of peace by subtraction, that kind of so-called peace, is fragile. It's easily disturbed. It's toppled. It's a house of cards. And friends, you can't shelter in a house of cards, can you? The first strong breeze that comes, the first change of circumstance, and your peace collapses around you, and you're left naked and exposed with nothing to protect you. If our peace is dependent upon our circumstance, we have nothing. Friends, true peace is not fragile and flimsy. True peace is sturdy. It's unyielding. It's un- it might be shaken, but it is never shattered. We need a peace that's not a house of cards. We need a bomb shelter for our souls. We need peace that's not fragile based upon circumstance. We need a bomb shelter for our souls that is unshakable so that everything around us can be destroyed. Circumstances can be unpredictable. Suffering, undeniable. Pain, unavoidable. Loss, unimaginable. But we are at peace because we're sheltered, held in the storm, safe in Jesus Christ. He is with us and we are in Him and He has overcome the world. He has added Himself to the situation as a shelter for our souls so that we might have peace no matter what we face in this life. Friends, our God is described as a shelter, as a refuge. As it says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Friends, peace is a bomb shelter for the soul. Mountains can fall. Waters and storm can rage around us. Sickness may ravage us. Pain may torment us. Suffering may continue. And even death may come. But I'm sheltered in Christ. It is well. It is well with my soul. Because through the storm, I am held. Peace is not found in the subtraction of negative circumstance. Peace is found in the addition of Jesus Christ to any circumstance. Sheltered in Him, we have all we need. And so it is that the Apostle Paul can make his grand statement in Romans chapter 8. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? As it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is that bomb shelter for our soul. In Christ we are secure no matter the circumstance. Jesus, by His birth and by His life, His death and His resurrection, has brought the unshakable, unbreakable peace of God. Jesus is our peace. Longfellow was correct. There is no peace on earth. So God added peace from heaven. God added peace from heaven. True and lasting peace is found by the addition of Christ, not the subtraction or alteration of circumstance. Only that peace of Christ is the bomb shelter for our soul that we need. And friends, this truth was driven home to me this week. I happened to stumble upon the story of American Baptist missionary family named the Malays who are currently serving in Togo, Africa. Their most recent blog post, their most recent newsletter begins with this sentence. Our daughter is dying. Our daughter is dying. And as I read, I found that in 2018, a tumor was found in the abdomen of their oldest daughter, Arwen. And she was eventually diagnosed with stage 4 neuroblastoma. And it's been three years and the cancer continues to spread in Arwen's 14-year-old body. And she's slowly losing the fight against the disease. And friends, understand this family's cried out to the Lord to subtract the cancer. To change the circumstance. And yet three years later, they write in their most recent newsletter, Our Daughter is Dying. And in face of that, This is how they conclude. Don't let the above December tidings cause you to despair. We are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. 2 Corinthians 6.10 Because remember, death can't ruin Christmas when Christmas has already ruined death. Death can't ruin Christmas when Christmas has ruined death. Friends, the peace that this family possesses, this is no fragile house of cards that's easily toppled by the wind of circumstance. Their peace might be shaken, but it is not shattered even by the devastation of approaching death. Jesus is the peace that their soul needs. He is a bomb shelter for their souls. Death can't ruin Christmas when Christmas has ruined death because the Prince of Peace has come. And they can cling to Christ and know that Christ holds to them. And He holds Arwen, their daughter, fast. And so though they have great sorrow, they also have great peace. And friends, our hope is ultimately not the peace of subtraction. Our hope is the peace of addition. The peace that the angels announced that first Christmas. That Emmanuel, God is with us. Peace has been given us. If God is with us, if Christ holds us fast, no matter the circumstance, you and I can have peace. Death can't ruin Christmas because Christmas has ruined death. And what shall separate us now from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? So friends, do you know this peace? Do you know the peace that Christ has come to give? 
It's not the piece of subtraction of changed circumstance. It's the piece of addition. The piece of His unchanging, unyielding presence. The bomb shelter that our souls need. He will hold me fast. The angels didn't oversell it, friends. The Christmas bells haven't lied about it. There is no peace on earth. So Jesus came to be our peace. And one day, friends, the same Christ who was born, the same Christ who died, the same Christ who is risen, that Christ will come again. He will return and He will bring us a perfect and a lasting peace. He will restore all things. He will subtract all wrong, wipe away every tear. There will be no more sorrow, suffering, sin, and death itself. There will all be no more. But until that day, as we await that day, in our unpredictable circumstances of life, He's promised to be our peace. And to hold us fast. He who has overcome sin and death and hell. He who has overcome this world. Is our peace. And the table to which we are about to come. Is an invitation. To his peace. For those of you that are fearful. Come and feast. And let him become your peace. Those who sorrow, come and feast and let Him become your peace. Those who are sinful, come now and feast and let Him become your peace. Friends, do you know peace today? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank you that Jesus Christ is our peace. May we know Him. May we shelter in Him. May we trust all the more, knowing that whatever we face, we are secure. For Christ is our peace. Amen.